Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student, where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and we are headed into Come Follow Me, Mosiah 7 and 8, the first week of May 2020. So today we're going to continue on our discussion of Mosiah. You've probably already done the reading. You know the story. But let's jump on and find out if we ever get ourselves in trouble, if we ever make a mistake, we sin, we are pride, we just stumble, how do we get out? So when I was a teenager, like many of you, I may not have been the wisest of uh, teenagers. And I remember a time when I uh, wrecked the uh, little pickup truck that my parents had given my twin and I to drive. So I was foolish. I was down in Southern California and there was an accident on the other side of the freeway. And this is one of those, you know, 12 lane freeways and we're flying along And I didn't have a lot of uh, good experience. I was cocky and I was driving pretty fast. And because there was an accident on the other side, everyone had slowed down. And so instead of slowing down with them, I remember jutting, you know, jumping lanes to get to a more open lane. And then, man, did I come up on somebody really hard and smashed right into the back of them. And uh, there was a moment of panic uh, when I could see the exit way off to the right and I thought, just flee, just drive away. My car wasn't as bad a shape as this little car that I just crunched into. And just absolute panic. I've just made this huge mistake. Uh, it, it, how, run away, run away. Um, no, I didn't. I pulled off. And um, and sure enough, the police officer actually just jumped over the median and walked down and said, yeah, I saw you fly by. So anyway, but there was this panic as well of, you know, calling my parents and, and getting help and just how do I get out of this? So um, a dumb error, but have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, just I just want to run away? How do I get into this? I'm just stuck. I'm trapped. I'm in this terrible situation. Maybe you're feeling that way during a global pandemic. Maybe you're without a job. Maybe you're worried about your family. Maybe you're worried about getting sick. Maybe you've lost someone close to you already. I don't know. Sometimes we feel like, how did we get into these problems and how do we get out? And And that is a great set of lessons to be answered by Mosiah. So as you recall, in Mosiah, this is a big, long lesson, and I'm just going to talk about the very last section in timeline, but it's Mosiah 7 and 8, and that is the story of Limhi. So in this story, which we talked about last time in the All About Part 2, is a little bit about these back and forths and who are these kings, and this is kind of... The story takes place in a bunch of flashbacks and then a flashback within a flashback, so it's not too, too hard to follow. We're pretty familiar with this in movies, but... Limhi's kind of in the current timeline. So it goes uh, Zenith, 
uh, then Evil King Noah, and then Limhi. So Zenith, Noah, Limhi. In this land of Nephi, they've gone south and they've been taken over by the Lamanites uh, through their pride and hubris. And and yet there's the story. And down there, that's Noah and and the priest Alma, Alma Sr., and the Waters of Mormon. All this stuff's going to take place down there. Abinadi and Limhi is the third. And it's kind of how they get out of the mess. So he's going to tell the story. And up north... Up north, King Mosiah, the, there's Mosiah, Benjamin Mosiah, up in Zarahemla, have been wondering what's been happening to these guys down there and their family members. You know, we haven't heard from them in years and years. Like, whatever happened to them? So he sends out, uh, King Mosiah the second sends out a search party and says, you know, let's go find them and see if we can find these, our brethren, our, our relatives and friends. And they stumble on king limhi and here's how the story goes right it says in chapter seven it came to pass that after king mosiah this is mosiah's second had had continual peace for the space of three years he was desirous to know the uh, concerning the people who went up to dwell in the land of lehi nephi or in the city of lehi nephi for his people had heard nothing from them from the time they'd left the land of zarahemla and they were and they wearied him with their teasings i love that he's like come on just what what if we knew what if what if something happened to him so he's like fine and it came to pass that king mosiah granted that 16 of their strong men might go up into the land of ne- lehi nephi to inquire concerning their brethren and it came to pass that on the morrow they started to go up and having one with them ammon he being a strong and mighty man and a descendant of zarahemla he was also their leader. Now, you're going to see these little political things. I want you to just kind of make a mental note. Uh, this is Ammon. There are a couple Ammons in the story, but this is he's a descendant of Zarahemla. Sometimes they'll say they're a descendant of Nephi. So this is a descendant of Zarahemla, uh, just FYI. And so he was their leader. And they didn't know the course, it said. And they should travel in the wilderness, and they should go up. So it's probably, doesn't mean north or south. It probably means elevation. So they're going up into the land of Lehi-Nephi. So if they were in the uh, south, now I'm not saying I know where these places are. That's not the important part. But I just want to give you a point of reference. Um, I have been to Central and uh, Mexico and Central America a number of times. And if you're in the lowlands, like if you've ever been to Cancun or Cozumel or whatever, it's super, super flat. And they're these lowlands. In fact, the tallest thing are the pyramids all over. They're everywhere. By the way, there isn't like one set of pyramids. They're all over the place. But if you go out to Chichen Itza or Tulum or whatever, you'll see that there are these tall pyramids. But everything else are these mango forests. And you can't see two feet into them. It's just super flat. And then these pyramids peak out. Now, if you go farther south from those lowlands, and you go into places like Costa Rica and Guatemala, they're mountainous and it's cooler and it's much more pleasant, by the way. And so it, it, you would go up into those mountainous regions. Now, there are some that believe this is in North America near the Great Lakes and, and there. So I don't know. But anyway, I just always imagine it in Central America. And so if you're in Central America, you'd be going up. So it says they uh, did not. But don't email me and fight with me on, on that. I, It's not that important. Okay. So... Then he said they, they didn't know their course they should travel, but they knew uh, in the wilderness, but they go up to the land Lehi-Nephi, and then they wandered in the space. For 40 days did they wander. So 40 days, 40 days. Make a note of that. There are 40 days. Now, 40 days reminds us of the 40 days that the Israelites wandered, the 40 days and 40 nights it rained uh, on the ark, the 40 days that Christ is going to suffer in the wilderness uh, fasting, the 40 years that Moses lived as 
a uh, prince of Egypt, then the 40 years he lived in Midian, and then the 40 years he lived as a prophet of God. So there are these 40 years over and over and over, and you're going to find them over and over and over and over. But here's 40 days, 40 days. Oh, he said 40 years that Christ fasted, 40 40 days. So there's 40 days and 40 nights, 40 years of Israel, 40, 40, 40, 40. And so often we see that this means a time of trial or struggle or a time of preparation. It may have been actually 40 days. Again, that's not the point of the story. The point might be it's trying to tell us. Remember, there was a trial of preparation. They were in the wilderness. So it's going to recall those parallels of what was happening when another group had been in a trial. Okay, so 40 days. And when they had wandered 40 days, I'm in verse five, they came to a hill, a hill. Well, that's unique. That must be unique, uh, which was north of the land of Shalom. And there they pitched their tents. And Ammon took three of his brethren and their names were Amalekai, Halim, and Hem. So it's fancy names. And they went down to the land of Nephi. And behold, they met the king of the people. They just ran into the king who were in the land of Nephi in the land of Shalom. And they were surrounded by the king's guard and they were taken and they were bound and they were committed to prison. And it came to pass then when they'd been to prison two days, they were again brought before the king and their bands were loosed and they stood before the king and were permitted or rather commanded that they should answer the questions that he should ask them. Okay, so we're feeling it. They've been wandering. They find, they find this hill. We're going to hear about this hill later. And then they, they, they walk up on the king and his guards and the crowds surround him and they throw him in jail. And then two days later, after making them stew in their own juices, they bring him and they're like, what are you doing here? And this is how it goes. He said, the king says to them, Behold, I am Limhi, the son of Noah, who was the son of Zenith, who came up out of the land of Zarahemla to inherit this land. So he's giving his credentials. And uh, which was the, well, the land of their fathers, who was made a king by the voice of the people. And now I desire to know the cause whereby you were so bold as to come near the walls of the city when I myself was with my guards without the gate. I was outside the city. I was out walking around. What what possessed you? For now, for this cause, I have suffered that you should be preserved. I didn't even kill you. I could have, but I didn't because I wanted to know what's going on. That I might inquire of you or else I should have caused that my guard should put you to death. You're permitted to speak. And now when Ammon saw that he was permitted to speak, he went forth. Can you imagine Ammon? I just think you'd be like, oh, I, I cannot believe the indignities we've suffered. But instead, a smart man he went forth and bowed himself before the king and rising again says, O king, I am very thankful before God this day that I'm yet alive and am permitted to speak and I will endeavor to speak with boldness. For I'm assured that if he had known me, you would not have suffered that I have worn these bands. For I am Ammon and I am a descendant of Zarahemla and I have come up out of the land of Zarahemla to inquire concerning our brethren whom Zenith brought out of the land. So he's like, you know, instead of saying, look, you big dummy, I'm the one coming to save you. He's like, if you, I know you would have thought the same thing. And I love this. And when it came to pass that Limai had heard the words of Ammon, he was exceedingly glad and said, now I know of a surety that my brethren who are in the land of Zarahemla are yet alive. And now I will rejoice. And on the morrow, I will cause that my people should rejoice also. And then he tells the terrible story. We're in bondage to the Lamanites and we have to pay half our tax. And it's terrible. And if we're not, then they'll actually kill us. And he says, you know, it would be better for us to be slaves, slaves to the Nephites, um, than to pay tribute to the king of the Lamanites. Uh, so can you imagine this humility? Now remember, 
who is who is this guy? Who is Limhi? Who is his father? Noah. And so Noah's the one that got him into this trouble, or his grandfather, Zenith, was the one who got him into this trouble. And Neph and Noah was was powerful, opulent. He had concubine slaves, clothes, riches, a priesthood, everyone giving him this power. And yet here's his son, a humble and righteous man just trying to help his people. And this is the study that I think we should do today. What makes Limhi different? What makes Limhi different? Limhi grew up and could have been like his father. He could have been a terrible guy. And yet he's not. He's the first thing he's like concerned. And I love how it starts with him. And he says, I know for a surety that my brethren now in Zarahemla are alive. Like I have hope again. I have hope. And I rejoice. But tomorrow I'm going to make it so my people have hope too. I'm going to make it so that my people hope. So I like this Limhi guy. What a great guy. What makes him different? What made him turn from Noah? What makes him a humble and a kind man that's worried about his people? So anyway, he also worries about Ammon. He has Ammon and, and his men go fetch the other explorers and bring them down because, of course, they were camping and they hadn't eaten and slept and drunk well. So so he brings them down. And he takes care of them. I mean, another, you're like, okay, I like this Limhi guy, right? I like King Limhi. And then it says, on the next day, Limhi sent a proclamation to all the people that thereby they might gather themselves to the temple and hear the words which he should speak unto them. Wow, they have a temple. That's interesting. And then the king's going to speak from the temple. Where have we seen that? Oh, too much to talk about. But there's something going on with that. Let's talk about this, this covenant with the people. And then he speaks to them. And he tells them, Oh, ye my people, lift up your heads and be comforted. Oh, there's finally hope. They've been under this terrible burden. They thought there was no way out. Um, just like all of us, right? Have we ever felt like we could not get out? And But yet... Here's the king telling us, my people, lift up your heads and be comforted. The time is at hand or is not far distant that we shall no longer be in subjection to our enemies, notwithstanding our many struggles, which have been in vain. Everything we did, this doesn't, it's not going to give us a break. But yet I trust there remaineth an effectual struggle to be made. It doesn't mean it's all over yet. We're going to have to work really hard, but there's hope. Therefore, lift up your heads and rejoice. He says it again. And put your trust in God and that God who is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that God who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, who brought uh, and caused that they should walk through the Red Sea on dry ground and fed them with manna that they might not perish in the wilderness and many more things did he do for them. So this, remember we started the story with a story of 40 days right? And this being in bondage. And then why would Limhi remind them of this story? Why would he tell them? And it's a weird phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We hear it a lot. But why is he saying that? Why is he then saying in the God who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? Because it's their story. He's reminding them. This is this is the God that we can trust in because we're in the exact same place those Israelites were in. And if God could bring them out, of the Red Sea and could feed them in the wilderness with manna. He can do the same thing for us. So he's telling us our clue when we're in bondage, when we're in bondage and we're struggling and we need deliverance, what's the first thing we do? We lift up our heads and rejoice and we put our trust in God. Then he reminds them of another deliverance. 
And again, that same God has brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem and has kept and preserved his people even until now. And behold, it is because of our iniquities and abominations that he's brought us into bondage. It's not, there's an admit, we have to admit here, how did we get here? And maybe it isn't every person, but sometimes we've done it to ourselves a little bit. And that's what he's saying. It's because of our iniquities and our abominations, our practices, our beliefs, uh, that we got ourselves in this mess. And ye are all witnesses this day that Zenith, his grandfather, who was made king over the people, he being overzealous to inherit the land of his fathers, therefore being deceived by the cunning and craftiness of King Laman, who having entered into a treaty with King Zenith and having yielded up into his hands the possessions of a part of the land, or even the city of Lehi-Nephi and the city of Shalom, the land read about. And all this he did for the sole purpose of bringing this people into subjugation or bondage. So he's saying, my grandfather, I mean, he just has no shame. I love King Lehi. He's like, he did this because he believed in a guy because he wanted to. He, King Laman had it out for us from the beginning, but he was overzealous to get this land. He wanted to inherit. He wanted land, power, something. And it might be for a good reason, right? But at the same time, he, he was overzealous. He didn't pay attention to the signs. And, and so this is what we've done. And he said, uh, verse 23, and now, is this not grievous to be born? Remember, they tell him their flocks and their herds and their half of everything we possess, even up to our lives. And he said, is this not our affliction great? And now, behold, how great is the reason we have to mourn. During your trials, have you not said the same thing? It's okay to say that. You don't have to say that your trials don't matter. I love lamentations. I love the Psalms because they lament. And here is a lament. It's okay to say what's true. It's okay to be worried. It's okay. I think we're in our very Western culture. We forget those part of the scriptures of laments that say, I, I, this is grievous to be born. This is tough. And you can lament where we are and say, Lord, I am stuck. I am trapped. This sucks, right? This is not good. You can lament. You can tell him all about it, whether it's your fault or not. He's okay with you telling him that. He can take it. You can tell the Lord about your grievous afflictions. Yea, I say unto you, great are the reasons which we have to mourn. For behold, how many of our brethren have been slain, and their blood hath been spilt in vain, all because of iniquity. How many people have we lost of this pandemic? How many jobs have been lost? How many fearful nights have you had? How many problems have you had? You say, yeah, there, there are reasons there are reasons. And for this people had not fallen in transgression, the Lord would not have suffered that this great evil should come upon them. Sometimes it's our own sins. Maybe it isn't. So I don't want you to feel bad about it if it isn't yours. But he's saying, let's have humility and admit that we may have had a problem. Now, for Limhi, they had gone down where they shouldn't have. They had left Zarahemla. They had left the, the city where they were protected because they wanted something more. They had overreached. They were overzealous overzealous and he's saying it isn't the zealousness that got him it was the overzealousness we we over overreached is that a word we reached too far and then we had sinned and then he even says a prophet we've slain a prophet because he prophesied they told him of our wickedness and our abominations that's why we killed benadi 
And he prophesied many things which are to come about Christ. And he prophesied that Christ would come in the image of a man. And that's why we killed him. So we're like, wow, whew, yeah, problematic, right? They have a reason. Now, hopefully we haven't done that. But do we ever not listen to the prophets? Do we ever think, no, 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 I'm good. I don't have to do that part. Probably. We probably all do that a little bit. Maybe not put them to death. I don't think we'd do that. But but do say a little bit in my heart. Sometimes I don't listen. Sometimes I don't obey. Sometimes I listen to my own terrible opinions of things. And then Limhi tells them about, he reminds them, let's get them a little bit humble, right? He says, the Lord says, I will not succor my people, which is give help. I will not succor my people in the day of their transgression, but I will hedge up their ways that they prosper not, right? I'll make a shrub so they can't walk on the path. So I'll hedge it up. Um, and their doing shall be a stumbling block before them. And again, he saith, my people should sow filthiness, they shall reap the chaff thereof and in the whirlwind, and the effect thereof is poison. It's like, oh, the Lord's just saying, I won't protect you. You've done it to yourselves. Um, but there's hope. The very last word, verse, the very last word. So the Lord's saying, yep, sometimes we deserve the little bit of punishment we're giving, but there's hope. Let's focus on that for a second. He says, but if you will turn to the Lord with full purpose of heart, and put your trust in him, and serve him with all diligence of mind. Did you catch those three things? If you will turn to the Lord with full purpose of heart, one, put your trust in him, two, and three, serve him with all diligence of mind. If you do this, he will, according to his old will and pleasure, deliver you out of bondage. It isn't because you deserve it. It isn't because you now earned it with those three bullet points, but because he loves us, he will deliver you out of bondage. What hope? What hope? Yes. Sometimes we crash the pickup truck into the guy in front of us and we've done it to ourselves because we weren't wise and we were driving too fast and we weren't paying attention and we didn't, we were just not experienced drivers and we're like, how did I do this to myself? And yet he says, I'll get you out. It's okay. Just, just hang in there. I'll get you out. So Limhi speaks to his people. He gives them this hope. And, uh, and Mormon tells us, I've only written a little bit, right? Now, Mormon is telling us this. Why? Why is Mormon putting this story about a king who's finally humbled, who's following unrighteous leaders, and then his people are in bondage? Why is Mormon telling us that story? Could it be that that's going to happen to us? Yep. So this is a great parallel for our day. Now, I'm not saying that we all have terrible leaders. We live in different countries, but he is telling us we will live in a time when the same parallel will happen. Sometimes we do it to ourselves. Sometimes it's done to us, and yet we're going to the, need the Lord. I love this story of Limhi, and I love what he does next. So then he, he has Ammon telling the story. He gets them encouraged. There, you know, there is hope at the end. It's going to be tough, everybody. But then I love this next part. After they just missed the multitude, he, he runs and he gets these plates that they found, these 24 gold plates that they found up in the land of desolation, right? It's the Jaredite record. And he brings in and he says, Ammon, can you translate it? Uh, because, and I love what it says. This is in chapter eight. Uh, he says, and I say unto thee again, he just, he keeps asking, knowest thou of anyone that can translate? For I am desirous that these records should be translated in our language for be, perhaps they will give us knowledge of a remnant of the people who have been destroyed from whence these records came. Or perhaps they will give us knowledge of this very people who have been destroyed 
and I am desirous to know the cause of their destruction. Hmm, profound. There is a people that were destroyed. And let's look at Limhi for a second. He's thinking there could be a clue, a clue for his people. How could he use the scriptures or this record as a pattern for his people? And Mormons, what does Mormon know about us and his people? There's a record about the destruction of another people, the Nephites. And if only there was someone who could translate them and tell us how to avoid being destroyed. What is that record? Oh, the Book of Mormon. So parallels on top of parallels. This is just such profound stuff. I love Limhi for this, though. I love his humility. I love where he is so concerned with his people. He's like, there might be a clue. How did they get that way? How do I not do that to my people? I just need a key. Now, Ammon, I'm trusting you are going to help us get out of this and get back to Zarahemla. But um, maybe there's something in this. Maybe there's a clue of how they got destroyed. Maybe there's a clue how we, a clue how we can get out. And maybe there's a clue for us as well. And then they go on to talk about translation and and uh, the mysteries that uh, that are in the scriptures. All right. So are we following this? Have we ever been in a situation where we have felt we needed deliverance? What are the keys that we need, right? What are the keys that we need? Remember, we need to turn, we need to trust. And then I love the very end of this next chapter in eight, where it has the same thing. How marvelous are the works of the Lord? How long doth he suffer with his people? Right. And uh, let's see, it's the, I'm right in verses 20 and 21. How marvelous are the works of the Lord? And how long doth he suffer with his people? He doesn't suffer them. He suffers with them. Oh, that was the message of Abinadi that Christ would come and suffer with and be with us. How profound. And how blind and impenetrable are the understandings of the children of men, for they will not seek wisdom, neither do they desire that she should rule over them. For they are as a wild flock which fleeth from the shepherd and scattereth and are driven and devoured by the beasts of the forest. Mosiah 8, right? We, instead of coming back to Zarahemla, instead of coming back, Murphy's, thank, Murphy says hi, Murphy the dog. The Lord is, wants to suffer with us. He wants to give us deliverance. Turn to him, be humble, and in his time, he will help us. That's the great message of King Limhi. All right, scriptorians, don't forget when you're a teenager and you run into the back of somebody, it's going to be okay, and it will all work out. All right, we've gone way over time. So, all right, scriptorians, we'll talk to you next time, and we'll try to pick up the next week, chapter 11 on.